Welcome to today's edition of the Rush 24-7 Podcast. Okay, folks, I'm sorry it took me so long to figure this out, but I have now figured it out. I, I know what I, I know what's going on in the Democrat Party. I know what's going And I'm embarrassed I didn't see it before last night. I saw it last night. So I began to get the the rumblings of it when uh, Klobuchar booty judge gave up and decided to join Plugs. And then Plugs goes and gets uh, Beto O'Rourke and makes him minister of getting guns out of people's hands. I, I saw what's going on last night. They're, they they I'm just giving it to you in a nutshell. The Democrat Party expects to lose. They expect to lose the presidency. They don't want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee because they don't want that kind of shellacking. They think they're going to lose with Biden anyway. And in the in the and outside, there's some shock and Biden wins. There's somebody that's going to actually be president besides him. But the the point is that this is all about this is classic. This is all about the Democrat establishment, including media people, protecting themselves against a Democrat electoral defeat. This is all about Chuck Todd and all the guys, ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN, keeping their jobs and keeping their credibility. It's all about Donna Brazil keeping her job at the DNC or whatever her job is. It's all about the Democrat establishment not being swept aside like the Republican establishment was swept aside when Trump won. They don't want any never-Trumpers in the Democrat Party. They, the, the people that would become the equivalent of the never-Trumpers, the, de- the never-Bernies, the never they don't want to lose their positions. If that means that they have to lose to Trump, then that's fine. It is so obvious to me what's going And I have. I also owe you another apology. Because I was wrong about something, and I was wrong about it big time. I've said prominently on this program twice that Biden would never be the nominee, that he doesn't have a prayer, that it isn't going to happen. And I said that because he's infirm, and he's old, and he doesn't know where he is, and he lies, and he makes... You can't even say that he lies. He doesn't even know that he's lying. There's something really bad going on, and whoever is putting him out there really deserves to be called out on it. Joe Biden has no business being a front-runner for any political party seeking the presidency. Last night, he couldn't even... Well, actually, maybe he was actually smart for the first time at all. You know, if you're Democrats, you don't mention God. You mention God, you get in big trouble. So he found a way not to mention God last night uh, in, in reading the preamble of Constitution. I'll show you what I'm talking about in just a minute when we get to the audio. But Joe Biden is embarrassing himself every day. Now, he doesn't know it, but there are people who do. Now, I thought that because of this, and because I thought they really thought they had a chance to win the presidency, that they would not throw him up there because he's not going to win. But remember what I said many, many times? Now they're, they're looking, okay, who would they rather lose with? And they don't want to throw away Buttigieg. They think he's the future. They don't want to throw away Klobuchar. Well, Klobuchar have a chance of winning anyway. But throw away Plugs. Plugs, this is a great swan song for Plugs. He's been a he's been a loyal vice president. He's done whatever the party said. Now it's his job to go out there and lose as the party moderate. 
His job is to go out there and be Walter F. Mondo. And while he loses, he is to maintain the Democrat Party establishment in power. Remember, Trump sweeping the victory also swept out the Republican Party establishment, and they became, uh, in part, the never-Trumpers. They are a bunch of people without a party now. The Republican Party doesn't want them. They don't want the Republican. Hell, they're now endorsing plugs. These never-Trumpers, these conservatives, people that were charging you thousands of bucks to go on their conservative cruises, they're now endorsing Democrats for crying out. The Democrats do not want that to happen to them. And if it means Joe Biden losing the presidency, but they remain intact as the face as the power structure of the Democrat Party, then that's what will happen. And they fear if Bernie Sanders gets the nomination, he's going to go down in a stinging defeat, and they don't want to have to defend Bernie. They don't want to have to be on the Bernie side because they don't think Bernie and his madcap left-wing radicalism is helpful to them in their positions at the think tanks, at the networks, Uh, At the newspapers, uh, you name it. Now, so I have to, I have to, I was wrong when I, I I was dead certain when I told you, I I was not only dead certain, I was, I was speaking to you with ontological certitude. I swore to you Biden was not going to be the nominee. Remember that? I can have Cookie, won't go back and get it. It have been two different sound bites. Don't do it, Cookie. Got, I don't have enough time to waste. But, I have to withdraw that. I have to take it back because now I think it, it's clear since Plugs <laughs> had such had such a glorious day at the South Carolina primary. It's just amazing how Plugs exceeding expectations by a couple of points has now revived everybody. And so Plugs is the guy. Plugs is the guy they want to be the nominee. Here's the problem they've got, though, and I'm kind of hopscotching around here. One of the problems they've got is all this early voting. You know, in North Carolina, 500,000 out of 800,000 have already voted, for example, in the Democrat primary before Buttigieg and Klobuchar quit. And ditto California. In California... A bunch of Democrats who early voted are asking for their votes back now that Buttigieg and Klobuchar have quit and they want to revote. And California said, nope, doesn't work that way. We vote one time out here and that's it. So they don't get their votes back. So it may be too little too late for plugs. It may be too little too late for this massive South Carolina, which was, this is how, this is how easily these Democrats lie to themselves actually thinking after one primary that Plugs is now cruising to the presidency. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's fascinating to watch this stuff, folks. I'm telling you, the early voting, it may not, you know, Plugs' resurgence here may not have happened soon enough, and there might be a bunch of early votes already in there for Crazy Bernie. And it's going to be, it's going to be a fun night to watch these returns tonight, because the Democrats, I'm telling you, I know now what this is about. I should have seen it sooner. I'm sorry. I apologize. I should have seen this weeks ago. 
Well, I, if if they can't stop, they're they're not through trying to stop it. Then that's why you're hearing about brokered convention, and that's why Bloomberg's like, oh, and folks, look, I have been struggling since last night. I accidentally saw the town hall on the Fox News channel with Bloomberg, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna tell you, I have been struggling for a way to politely describe what I saw last night. And I don't know that I can do it. I, I've, been, I've been struggling for polite ways to describe what I think, what I saw last night, as a real shortage of IQ and brain power and self-awareness. I saw a guy who thinks he's the Beatles, who is barely Cindy Lauper. Uh, I saw a guy who thinks the world revolves around him when 95% of the American people have no idea who he is. I saw a guy so disconnected from his own reality that it was jarring to me. And then to confirm that I was right, I'm watching analysis of this this morning on that same network, the Fox News Channel. And they bring out their senior people. Now, the senior people doing the analysis happen to be card-carrying members of this Washington establishment. And they were saying it was Bloomberg's best appearance yet. Why, he was better in that town hall than he was in any of the debates, which would not have taken anything other than showing up. But he, it was not good last. It, there, there were, it, was, it was embarrassing in terms of how disconnected Bloomberg is from his own reality. He, he really does think that he is in Donald Trump's league. He thinks he's as well-known. He thinks he's as respected, as popular. What 95% of the Americans have no idea who the guy is and furthermore don't care. And the only reason anybody's interested in him is all the money he's got and all the money he's spending. Uh, The guy ends up agreeing with Trump on matters of the economy and dealing with foreign countries. I'm saying, what is your... It became obvious. He's jealous as he can be of Donald Trump. He doesn't disagree with a lot of what Trump's doing. He's just jealous Trump's doing it and he isn't. Uh, I asked Cookie for some sound bites here, but I've made the mistake. I didn't take any notes of this thing last night, so I couldn't. I can't. I couldn't recall any specifics to tell her to go get. I, I remembered three or four things, and I'll be able to give you an example of it as the um, program unfolds. There was there was a a question about you 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 fly. You fly your private plane, close your jets to Bermuda, you fly your general, and yet you're one of the climate change guys. He says, well, you know what? The work I do is important. I'm doing a lot of important work trying to save the climate. Uh, I'm a controversial person. I'm an important person. And and the only way I can get places is to fly my plane. You just got to get used to that. There's no hypocrisy about this. I'm a, I'm controversial. I can't fly. I can't fly commercial. I mean, I I I, I can't get on a, a commercial plane. Nobody would be safe. I said, 
Dude, nobody would know you're on it. If you got on a commercial flight, A, they wouldn't see you, probably, unless you had a bench you're sitting on. Now, look, in my defense, because I need to defend my when when I assured every one of you that Biden was not going to be the nominee, I made that prediction while under the assumption that the Democrats were going to nominate somebody that they thought would win the presidency. That's that's the difference here. They don't. This is not about it's about two things. It's not about winning the presidency right now, believe it or not. It's about, A, keeping Bernie from, from, from running. And, B, it's about the Democrat establishment and think media, think think tank guests, think uh, uh, think tank uh, uh, members, uh, think Washington State. It's about them maintaining control over the Democrat Party. Maintaining their gigs, maintaining their jobs, maintaining their perks and privileges. Uh, and they won't if Bernie goes, because if Bernie wins or if Bernie goes down, Bernie's going to be the titular leader of the party anyway. And there's going to be the party is going to fracture like crazy, they think. So I made the prediction while assuming that. They would never nominate plugs if they were serious about winning the White House. And that's not their objective right now. There are two things that come before that. So I, I, just, just in my defense. Now, to give you an, another example of how the Democrat Party is losing it and is imploding. Two-minute soundbite today. This morning on... The Fox News Channel, America's Newsroom, Donna Brazil appeared. She's a Democrat National Committee, former former chairwoman, whatever. Still head honcho, still thinks she runs the Democrat Party in many ways. With Rona McDaniel of the Republican National Committee. And here it goes. Listen carefully. It's leading towards potentially a broker convention, which will be rigged against Bernie if those superdelegates have their way on that second vote. To that, you say what, Donna? First of all, I want to talk to my Republicans. First of all, stay the hell out of our race. Stay the hell out of our race. I get sick and tired, Ed and Sandra, of listening to Republicans tell me and the Democrats about our process. First of all, they don't have a process. They're canceling primaries. They have winner-take-all. They don't have the kind of democracy that we see on the Democratic side. And for people to use Russian talking points to sow division (laughs) among Americans, that is stupid. So, Rana, go to hell. This is not about... No, go to hell. I'm tired of it, Ed. We're not trying to prevent anyone from becoming the nominee. Yes, if you, you are. have the delegates and win, you will win. This notion that somehow or another Democrats are out there trying to put hurdles or roadblocks before one candidate, that's stupid. I know what's going on. They are scared of Democrats coming together to defeat Donald Trump. They need to be focusing on what we're focusing on, the Democratic Party, and that is preventing foreign interference in our elections. Stop using Russian talking points, Madam Chair, woman. Period. All right. Stop well, using it. It Donna, with me. all due it respect, makes, we had no. her on to talk about what she sees happening here in the same way that we but asked you to. A, but, no, but Sandra, she's not a Democrat. I'm a Democrat, but I'm also an American. And I have a responsibility to make sure that the process, I know the process, Rana knows the process, but to infer 
that we're trying to prevent one candidate over another. That's not happening. It, and if there's any proof, Madam Chairwoman, any proof, Mr. President, that we're trying to somehow or another change this process for one candidate. Well, let's just to get take advantage. this back to the basic. Let's take this to back Show to the, the basic. Okay, so the point here is that Donna Brazil's losing it. Told Rona McDaniel, go to hell. On Fox News, go to hell, Rona! Go to hell! First of all, I want to talk to my... Stay the hell out of our race! Go to hell! Oh, man, because, you see, Donna Brazil's a Hillary acolyte, and they did rig things against Crazy Bernie in 2016. Everybody knows it! And they use the superdelegates, and they're trying it again this year. And that's what Rona McDaniel is pointing out. And, by the way, it's not just Rona McDaniel that's talking about a possible brokered convention in Milwaukee. The Democrat convention. The Democrats are talking about a Democrat strategist, analyst. I mean, they pick these people off the street and put them on TV as strategists and analysts, and they're predicting a brokered convention in Milwaukee. Rona McDaniel, she's just repeating what she's hearing Democrats say. And you know, you know the bottom falls out when Donna Brazil's accusing Rona McDaniel using Russian talking points. Russian talking points. Now this is this is this is this is why a bunch of us, why do we have to, you know, we want to tune in Fox. Why do we have to sit there and listen to Donna Brazil? This is exactly why we know that she is a devious, deceitful political operative. She's not an analyst or strategist in that sense. You know, her her reaction that you just heard here um, is 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 classic of liberal Democrat. You can't criticize it. You criticize them and all hell's going to break loose. And you're going to be t- you're either going to be called a racist, accused of being a racist, or you're going to be told to go to hell. Some such thing as that. Uh, you know, how dare, how dare a Republican criticize us? How dare? And yet, what do you people do all day? You're lying about Donald Trump colluding with Russia. You're lying about Donald Trump spreading a disease and calling it a hoax. You get to run around, you get to mischaracterize and lie about Republicans and conservatives all day long. And you do it throughout your entire media. And here's one little little example where the Republican National Committee chairwoman runs back and says, well, you know, Democrats are trying to rig the game against crazy Bernie and uh, may have a broken convention. Look what happens, she loses it. No, I haven't. I haven't said a word about racism here. I haven't. I wouldn't be surprised if, if later on, if this doesn't simmer down, if Donna Brazil brings race into it. But no, I haven't been the, I'm the one to do that. Anyway, uh, brief obscene profit time out, folks. We'll be right back. Don't go away. I think uh, Rona McDaniel got, a little, McDaniel got a little too close to the truth there. I mean, look, look at it this way. If you're not trying to rig the game against Crazy Bernie, and if uh, if you're not going to have a brokered convention, and if whoever gets the most delegates actually is going to win the nomination, and a Republican comes along on TV and says it, it's about the 10th or 12th time, it's by no means the first time, uh, why not laugh at it, make a joke about it, tell Rona McDaniel you're crazy, uh, 
But Donna Brazile lost it. She lost it the way people who have been called out accurately lose it. Now, sometimes people can lose it like they if they're like that if they're really, really being lied about. Like Trump is routinely lied about, but he doesn't react even that way, the way Donna Brazil did. So I think, I think the problem that Donna Brazil has is everybody knows what's going on here. It's so it's so obvious. What's going on? They've made it clear. Now you got Judge and Klobuchar packing it in, and they claim that it was independently arrived at, that nobody called them, and nobody, there was no quid pro quo, nobody offered them anything. I just don't believe it. Why would Klobuchar get out before the primary in her own state? And the only reason for that is that she's got internal polling data that shows she might lose her own state. I can understand that, but... Uh, now this is this is folks. This is all about the Democrat establishment is scared to death. Now let me be specific about what they're scared about. And I look, I have no idea who the Democrat nominee is going to be. And I just want to tell you, if it isn't Joe Biden, I'm not going to be surprised. Well, the reason I'm with I, I am apologizing is I assured you not too long ago that it wouldn't be, and I told you why. He's lost it. He's out of it. He doesn't know where he is. Well, that actually could be a plus for the Democrats if they have other objectives, including having him win. If he wins and doesn't know where he is, they're going to have the the, the, the Wizard of Oz, whoever it's going to be, the man behind the curtain is going to be pulling the strings and nobody's going to know who it is. And it'll be somebody Biden approves of and so forth. And so that, 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 that would be an incentive. But uh, now that the objective is not just, first and foremost, to win the White House, but now there are other things, um, then it, it, it's possible that they could get behind plugs as a last-ditch effort to save themselves. And the key to understanding this is understanding the lingo. There, there are no moderate Democrats, but when they talk about the moderate Democrats, talking about themselves, they're talking about Biden and Klobuchar and Buttigieg, anybody that's not Bernie, anybody not Bernie, maybe anybody that's not Elizabeth Warren, uh, anybody else, moderate Democrats trying to maintain control of the party, trying to satisfy the centrists, the suburban women, you know, all this gobbledygook. The Democrat Party is a far-left party. There's no mistake about it. The Democrat Party is closer to what Bernie Sanders is than this dream they have that some moderate centrist. But nothing centrist about the Democrat Party or anybody in it. But this bunch, like the media, the media is a bunch of radical leftists, but what do they tell you they are? They say that they're objective, fair-minded journalists. They don't admit who they are. The same thing with radical leftist Democrat politicians outside of Bernie and, and, and Focahontas. They don't admit who they are. So these people calling themselves moderates and centrists are desperate to hold on to the power structure of the Washington establishment. Remember, the Democrat Party runs the Washington establishment. They run it politically. They run it socially. So these people desperately, even when the Republicans win the White House, like now, they still run that town, and they don't want to give that up. If Bernie Sanders wins, 
the Democrat nomination, and all bets are up because he's the titular head of the party, and he's going to start start installing people in these institutions. And then if he would ever be elected president, they don't think that would ever happen. They think he would take the party down to one of the worst landslide defeats ever and forever ruin, or in the foreseeable future, ruin the idea the party could even be liberal, much less communist or socialist. They don't want that to happen. But more than anything, more than anything, it's about self-preservation. You want names? Anybody that works at CNN, anybody that works at NBC, anybody that works at CBS or ABC, anybody working at the New York Times, these people all consider themselves to be part of the political elite in Washington. They want to remain the political elite. They want to remain in charge, and they know they are in charge even when Republicans win the White House. But when the wrong Democrat wins it, they do not want to happen to the Democrat Party what we've seen happen in the Republican Party. And that is the Republican Party establishment has largely become homeless. They've become the never-Trumpers, and now they're signing up with the Democrats. And the Democrats don't want them. The Democrats don't want Bill Kristol. The Democrats don't want Max Boot. The Democrats don't want Jonah Goldberg. The Democrats don't want any of these people. Why would they trust them? They don't. So these people are literally politically homeless. They're trying to create new magazines, new cruises. But now they've got to go out and sell their expertise to Democrats after years and years of claiming to be the conservative intelligentsia. They're a mess. And the Democrats do not want that happening to them. And they look at it happening to the Republicans because Trump won. And in a way it did because these two, these idiots were, were too short-sighted to not get behind Trump. Now the Republican Party's unified like it never has been, but it doesn't include the Republican establishment, does it? The Republican Party is Trump's. The Republican Party going forward is Trump's. 92% of the Republican Party supports Trump. And who's on the outs? Well, I mean, take your pick. I mean, Paul Ryan resigned as Speaker of the House. Where is he? And there's a bunch of them that have quit. A bunch of Republicans quit. A bunch of people in the RNC that used to be power brokers that no longer are. The Democrats see this. They don't want it happening to them, particularly since they run the town. So it it's going to take one of their own being the nominee. And that's Biden. It's going to take one of their own defining the party, even when it loses. And that's Biden. It can't be Bernie. It can't be a professed and avowed socialist and communist. That just exposes them way too much to the truth of what their party is. And it, it they, they no longer, they, they, they would have to, they would have to now, if Bernie Sanders were to somehow win the nomination, they're going to have to oppose him in order to maintain their own cover. The worst thing could happen. That's why I think they'll pull out all the stops once again to keep him from getting the nomination. And I don't think we've seen one-third of what they're capable of. And I don't want to go speculating because Lord knows when I start cracking jokes about these people, I end up being right. So I don't want to make jokes about Bernie's health records, for example. I don't want to make jokes about Bernie's propensity to have accidents, for example. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. I'm just telling you. And I don't know that Plugs is going to be the nominee either, but I, I can tell you that uh, 
it, it's it's a much more conceivable reality than I thought it was the last time I assured you that it wouldn't be. Now, let's give you the latest example of plugs. Now, this can go, the analysis of this can go either way. This is yesterday in Houston, a campaign event. Not only is Buttigieg and Klobuchar signing up, it's Beto O'Rourke, who's done nothing but lose, has signed up. And, and Biden wants him to be the minister of gun removal or some such thing in his, in his administration. Beto O'Rourke has done nothing but lose, and Biden eagerly brings him on board. This is not about Beto. I'm just sharing information with this is This is a yesterday Houston campaign event, and Plugs is trying to recite the, uh, the preamble to the uh, Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. You know how we talk about it. Are we the people? We hold these, let me do it. Wait, no, 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 wait a minute. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men endowed by their creator. That's what he couldn't say. Democrats can't acknowledge God. That's this is where plugs to me, is showing signs of being mentally with it. Plugs didn't forget God. What Plugs realized, he can't mention God as a Democrat. God is the is 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 the ecology. God is climate change. You can't mention God. This is a party. This is a party. God gets booed at the Democrat convention. God gets taken out of official position papers at the Democrat convention. Have you forgotten? They remove God, and it's all about abortion. It's all about abortion. So Plugs knows he can't mention Creator. So he's, he's trying to cite, and, and Plugs is old enough where the Democrats used to be able to mention God. They used to be able to go to church. They used to be able to talk about God. They used to be able to talk about Jesus Christ. They used to be able to incorporate God in their power. They can't anymore. Don't tell me these people are not a bunch of radical leftists. There's nothing moderate or mainstream about them. And Plugs here had his wits about him enough to realize that if he mentioned creator or God, he would be in deep doo-doo on the eve of Super Tuesday. So he caught himself. Now, he sounds stupid, but I think in this case, Plugs' mental acuity is actually on display. Here, play it again. Audio sound by number 17 in 3, 2, 1. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. You know how we talk about it. Are we the people? He's he's trying to tell, look, we know it's God. I can't say God, creator. You know what I'm talking about. You know the thing. You know it. You know, I can't say it. That's what he's saying to him. Don't doubt me on this, folks. He didn't forget God. He didn't forget in doubt about creator. He knows that. He's known that. Plugs is old enough that he was taught this in school and had to recite this in school like all the rest of us. This is an example of how Plugs actually isn't even of the modern-day Democrat Party. But he had his wits about him. He knew not to mention that our rights come from a creator because they don't, folks. They come from the state. Our rights, these truths, all men and women are created equal by the state. 
because there isn't a God. God is what conservatives use to discriminate against people. God is racist. There isn't. God is all. God is nothing more than a fallback to the founding of this racist, despicable country. That's a modern day Democrat Party belief. Here's one more, uh, one more, one more plugs bite. This now, this is an example of plugs not knowing where he is and what time it is. Every vote matters tomorrow. Look, tomorrow's Super Thursday. Super Thursday. Tomorrow's Super Thursday. So he knows not to mention Creator and God, but thinks that Super Tuesday is Super Thursday. Yeah, Donna Brazil doesn't cheat. She was only what 2016 caught giving Hillary Clinton debate questions. She was caught giving Hillary Clinton questions prepared for a town hall meeting on CNN, whatever it was. Yeah, Donna Brazil, but she doesn't cheat. Oh, yeah. You Republicans, you need to shut up. You need to shut up the way we Democrats do things. You're not allowed to talk about the way we Democrats do things. Screw you. By the way, Operation Chaos is more widespread than simply in North Carolina. There's a uh, columnist for the Washington Post... Name is Olson. Let me read to you a tweet. He said a, a woman I was at an event last night with, experienced Texas analyst, said that five percent of the Texas Democrat early vote was from people who had voted in the Republican primary in the past four statewide elections. That's exactly what Operation Chaos is. Operation Chaos created by me, two thousand eight. Get Republicans in primary states where their votes no longer matter because McCain had become the nominee. Switch over and vote for Hillary to keep the Democrat race going. Now, the media is talking about Operation Chaos happening in Texas. They're talking about it happening in North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, well, not, not South Carolina. It's Super Tuesday states. And here is a column the Washington Post again. I was at an event last night where an experienced Texas analyst said that 5%, this is a huge number, by the way, 5% of the Texas Democrat early vote from people who had voted in the Republican primary in the past four statewide elections, 2012 through 2018. Well, okay, so if this is true, and I have no doubt that it is, for whom are these Republican Operation Chaos voters voting, do you think? Can there be any doubt? They're voting for Bernie Sanders. Operation can Republican vote 5%? 5% of the Texas Democrat early vote? That's huge. Is Republican voters crossing up? That is a major Operation Chaos operation. And you know they're voting for Bernie. They're not voting for plugs. Ha! All right, let's get started uh, with the phones. We always try to do that in the first hour. We'll go to Cleveland. This is Fred, and it's great to have you. Fred, hi. Uh, good day, Rush. I had an observation that I'd like to run by you. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, everything the left claims to hate about Trump, Michael Bloomberg seems to personify. He's cocky. He's arrogant. He's disconnected. <laughs> he has a problem with women. He buys people off. And I think the bottom line, you hit it, the nail on the head a few minutes ago, jealousy is what this all comes down to. All of these people with their rabid 
hatred of Trump, jealousy is the one word that can explain most of it. It's a, bi- it's, it's a big part of it uh, because all of these people think they're smarter, uh, think they're, in Bloomberg's case, richer, uh, and more accomplished, and, and Trump's a bumbling buffoon, and, and they're jealous that Trump actually tried for it, went for it, and won. So now they got to go do it, too. Uh, I think you, you, Bloomberg is jealous. I think other Democrats are jealous, but for different reasons. They, they, they don't have more money than Trump does, for example. They don't have uh, – they're just they're jealous that an outsider has come in and run rings around him when they were all predicting he wouldn't get past the first two weeks after his announcement. You know, he came down the escalator. Uh, people thought, this guy, he's not even serious, and he goes on to win. So you're right. Their jealousy is a – Jealousy is a it's it, it very very jealousy and envy, folks, are two of the most destructive uh, human emotions. Jealousy, in fact, I would say, jealousy is one of the two emotions that will make people behave in ways they otherwise wouldn't. Love is the other one. Or what is what is called love? I mean, people do some of the stupidest stuff when they think they're in love that they would not do it when they're sane. Happens to everybody. I think jealousy is the same thing. Maybe lust is the word. Maybe it's not love because a lot of people think love is a pure thing. Uh, so maybe lust. But I'm, jealousy is definitely in this category, and envy the same way. And I'll tell you what. If if you have like you, you're dying to succeed because you want to show a bunch of people in your life and never thought you're going to amount to a hill of beans, fine. But that better not be your only motivation, or you're never going to be happy because they're never going to acknowledge. You're never going to know. So showing people up should never be the me the primary motivation. Just like jealousy and envy, they. It's, Never going to be happy when you're experiencing either of those. Got to take a break. We'll be back. Don't go away. Fastest three hours in media. See, the first one's already gone. Where'd it go? People wish it wasn't gone. Doesn't matter. There's still two more to go. We'll come back revved and ready before you know it. Don't go anywhere, folks. Greetings to you, music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists, all across the fruited plain. Time for Broadcast Excellence, the second hour. Hosted by me, Rush Limbaugh, here at 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. You know what Trump said last night? Trump said, Trump had another barn burner Trump said if, if Biden is elected, that they'll put him somewhere in a home and that other people will end up. Being, and that's exactly I mean, it's euphemistic and symbolic, but that's that is uh, exactly what But plugs has even alluded to it. He has uh, he's even alluded to it. You know, it's amazing. Grab audio summit number 28. This is the loser. This is Michael Dukakis. That was our name for him. This program debuted August 1st, 1988. Uh, That was smack dab in the middle of presidential candidacy that year of George H.W. Bush and Dukakis. 
And Dukakis was another far left-wing radical leftist for his day who was going to go down and lose in a major, major defeat, who for a time the polling showed was leading George H.W. Bush. He was promising Bush was the third term of Ronald Reagan. And Dukakis went down in flames. He, uh, You remember this debate? You, well, you, you may not. The CNN debate, or it's a debate where CNN has a couple of people on the panel moderate. One of them was Bernard Shaw. And the Dukakis is up there, standing there looking like the arrogant uh, above it all. He's about Bloomberg's height. I mean... You put Bloomberg on a commercial flight, and you might know who he is because they'd be seeking the parents. Where is the where are the parents of this unaccompanied child? The airline people might say. Anyway, I, 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 I'm, I'm distracting. Let me get back on target. So Bernard Shaw asks Dukakis a hypothetical question. Governor Dukakis, I want you to imagine that your wife Kitty is assaulted and raped by a sexual predator. Uh, what would you recommend? What would your reaction be? What would you think the penalty should be, the punishment? And he dealt with that as though it were an intellectual exercise. Well, Bernard, and I, I think we need to be concerned with the rights of all people who are accused. Uh, the rights of the accused are something um, we need to be very, very concerned with uh, in this country. So many people are falsely And nobody could believe. You've just been asked what would happen to a guy who raped your wife and you're dealing with it like you're in a think tank? And then to try to overcome that and some other stuff, he went out and got in an army tank wearing a helmet. He looked like Beetle Bailey, the cartoon character. He ended up becoming a joke. Uh, we even we even had musical accompaniment for imaginary Dukakis campaign meetings and so forth. Well, anyway, he's back, and he went out to Hawaii after he lost. He was a professor at University of Hawaii doing stuff. He goes where a bunch of leftists are. And he would admit, and he loves policy. Oh, I love policy, Bernard. I love process. That's what we liberals do. We carry our briefcases around. We get to the office and we start shuffling the policy papers, the position papers. That's what we love, Bernard. It's really, it's great stuff. That's that's what we like to do. Well, they found him. Neil Cavuto found Dukakis. Fox Business Network this afternoon. I don't know where Dukakis is. I guess he's walking along the street. And somebody reckon, hey, would you like to be on the Fox Business Network this afternoon? Why else would Dukakis be there? So Cavuto said, so what do you think of Joe Biden right now, Governor Dukakis? Uh, All these people now coalescing around Biden as an alternative to Bernie Sanders. I'm seeing a a very different Joe Biden, Neil, in the last four or five days. I don't know what it is about... uh, South Carolina, or what happened there? But uh, he's more relaxed. He's he's funnier. He's uh, more confident. And uh, obviously, what happened yesterday and those endorsements uh, are very important to him. So, uh, I think we got a new Joe Biden. Isn't it isn't it great to be a Democrat? You can be around for forty years. You can be a plagiarist. You can be a failure. You can run for office a bunch of times and lose. 
And then overnight, you can become brand new. Overnight. You can become funnier. You can become more confident. You go out and get more endorsements. And you can become more important. And you can have a bunch of your opponents quit all because of the magic of South Carolina. <laughs> this is just fabulous. It's amazing to watch this because it's now – Dukakis would be in that group that I'm describing today as the Democrat establishment. And I think, I think it's desperation city now, folks. Desperation. I mean, I think if there's a significant Operation Chaos movement going on in a lot of these Super Tuesday states, if you've got – see, there's no reason for Republicans to stay home and vote in their own primaries because Trump's the nominee. He's, he's unopposed. So Republicans taking the occasion of the Operation Chaos we started back in 2008 are now doing it again on their own without any urging from me. And they are joining the Democrat primary. Five percent of early Texas Democrat voters are actual Republican primary voters in the last four years. Five percent. That is a huge number. And again, with so much early voting going on in these Super Tuesday states, all of this so-called Joe Mentum and all of these late-breaking endorsements, it may not matter because so many people have already voted for Crazy Bernie or for Mayor Pete or for Klobuchar. In other words, they haven't voted for Biden. There was no reason to vote for Biden before South Carolina. Biden was going nowhere fast. Early voting, people go out and vote for everybody but Biden. Now Biden wins in South Carolina. All this new... uh, energy, this uh, new humor, this new inertia, but most of the voting has taken place. Let's go to the Bloomberg soundbites. I'm trying to figure out how to do this, and I mentioned, I I accidentally saw Bloomberg last night on a town hall, a Fox News network, and I I literally uh, was talking back to the... TV and I was talking, Catherine and I were watching this thing. We accidentally stumbled into it. So I thought, oh, you know, I better may as well watch this. And I was I don't know what's the word, dumbfounded. I I I was kept struggling for ways in which I could politely describe today my reactions to what I saw last night. I and I don't know that I can do it, folks. I I saw I saw somebody who has absolutely no accurate self-awareness. This this man thinks, like I said in the first hour, he thinks that he is I don't know, Elon Musk or the Beatles, and he's barely Cindy Lauper. Uh, nothing against Cindy Lauper, but her day has come and gone. You get my drift here. But don't he? He he believes that he is the focus of everybody's attention, and that everybody's watching him at every moment of the day. When most people wouldn't recognize him if he did get on a commercial flight. It's delusional, and but it's more than that. You know, I was I was 
trying to think of a polite way to describe, you know, I've always told you that I've never thought Mike Bloomberg was that bright. And that attitude was really cemented some short weeks ago when I heard him talking about Xi Jinping, the dictator of communist China. And Bloomberg's talking about, oh, he's got his constituents he's got to answer. He's got to keep his voters happy. He's got to keep the people happy. He's like any other politician. I said, no, he's not. He's a dictator. It's they who have to keep him happy. And if they don't, they get shot. They get sent to a re-education. What do you mean they have constituents? And then I thought, this is the guy who literally was telling New Yorkers that they can't eat more butter than he thinks, or they can't have a larger soft drink than he thinks, or they can't have hot dogs anymore. I'm thinking, who is this? And why did people in New York put up with it? It's the city where anything goes. I mean, it used to be a very livable and fun city, and they've turned the, they've turned the town into a prison, a liberal prison of things you cannot do. And this guy was at the at the top of the list making that list of things you can't do. I just but it was when I heard him talking about Xi Jinping and communism. Now look, I know that he's got a lot of business in China. I know he's got to keep Xi Jinping happy, but for crying out loud, at some point you have to admit that the guy's a dictator, a communist dictator and doesn't have constituencies and doesn't have people he's got that that he has to keep happy. He has eliminated all of his rivals. What that man has done, what Xi Jinping has done in China is now he's become Mao Zedong and he set out to do it and he has. He has eliminated all rivals. He is the most powerful Chicom leader since Mao. By design, he has eliminated any rivals. That's why anything goes wrong over there. He can't blame it on anybody else. He's got nothing but a bunch of sycophant underlings. There's nobody to challenge him. Well, how do they do that? They kill people. Russia is what communists do. They kill their opposition. Did you see the first known case of coronavirus in North Korea? See what I mean? The headline. Uh, that's a Chris Matthew. Here, North Korea's first confirmed coronavirus patient shot dead. That's how they deal with it. Oh, you have coronavirus? Bang! You're dead. Burn the body, don't even bury it. So, anyway, I, I've, been, I've been trying, how can I sound charitable? And then I got up today... And I fully expected that anybody doing analysis of this town hall last night would more or less have seen what I saw. But no, I saw a senior political analyst thinking that Bloomberg was the best he's been, better than any of the debates. And I thought, what? It's not possible. You can't seriously think that. And then I realized the establishment types hang together. So here are some sound bites to give you an example. And I sadly, I don't have all of them. I, I, I was so absorbed. I, I should have taken some notes or made, you know, audio notes at what time he said something that I really reacted to. And I didn't do that. And I didn't have time to watch the whole town hall again today. So I just had to go cherry pick some things that I remembered. Uh, up first... Let's see. Question. Several people out there wanted to know, Mayor Bloomberg, how you can fly around on private jets and take your jet to Bermuda to play golf 
and still be such a strong proponent of climate change? Isn't that hypocrisy? The answer is that I spend an awful lot of time flying around the country, flying around the world, working on climate change, and we have closed an awful Stop lot of coal-fired power plants. That's, po- that's the question. How in the world can you do that? You spend an awful lot of time flying around, working on climate change. You're defeating the whole point. Your carbon footprint is so out of whack. If you believe this stuff, which I don't happen to believe, I would, but... He does. He's out there talking about how this is so big a problem, and he's creating it. He's making it. But now, see, he, well, the answer is, I spent an awful lot of time flying around the country, flying around the world, working on it. It's the same thing Prince Charles says. Well, I'm so important. My work on this is so important that my carbon footprint doesn't matter, and you shouldn't even be worried about it. Here's the rest of the answer, by the All way. plants and work to try to train coal miners to get other jobs, but at least to get the pollutants from uh, coal out of the air. And um, I probably couldn't do it without an airplane. And I just, the, the security you'd have to have if I go on a commercial jet, the airlines just don't want to take you because there's just too much, too many risks. I'm just too controversial. See, this is exact. this is... I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. You took self-absorption out the wazoo. The, the, uh, the, the, the uh, commercial airlines, they, they wouldn't take you. They don't, they don't want to take you because there's too much, too many risks. I'm just too controversial. In your dreams, you're too controversial. You may be controversial in Manhattan, but you're not known in Oshkosh. You're not known in Oklahoma City. You're not known in half of these Super Tuesday states. And the fact that you, even after spending, what, $400 million? I mean, but this is, see, t- look, I'm trying to be polite. I don't know. The, I've never met the guy. I've been behind him on the golf course. I didn't know it. They told me little speck up in front of us was him. But I just, I've never met him, and I, I don't. I'm not trying to be mean, but folks, this I recognize self-absorption. And it, it, it's one thing to be self-absorbed if it's if you're really a big kahuna. But to live this delusional life, I go flying around the world. We've closed an awful lot of coal-fired power plants. We've worked to try to train coal miners to get other jobs. They don't want other jobs. They want the coal industry saved. Uh, and by the, I would submit that you could educate coal miners via teleconference and not have to take your airplane anywhere. You don't have to fly your airplane to lecture a bunch of coal miners about the evils and the pollutants that they are putting in while you're flying around on your gigantic fleet of private airplanes, you dare to lecture coal miners who are, I I put coal miners in this group of people who make the country work. They are taken advantage of they, well, not taken, taken for granted. It's just assumed that they're there. It's like when your electricity goes off in the middle of a rainstorm. You just assume somebody's going to be climbing the pole to fix it. You assume that when, some, when your toilet doesn't flush it, somebody's going to get down on the sewer and feet. You just assume it's going to happen, but you never see it. Those are the people who make the country work. 
People are digging coal out of the ground. People are trying to find alternative sources of fuel. These are the people who make the country, not the guys flying around on their own jets, lecturing everybody about the pollutants they're causing. And then excusing it by saying, well, it's a security issue. You know, I, if I go on a commercial jet, the airlines just don't want to take it. It's too much, too many risks. I'm just too controversial. He would get on board a commercial flight with who knows how many armed guards, or he would try to. Just, this is the kind of thing that when you're too controversial to fly, you don't say it. Everybody already knows it. When you offer it up as an excuse, it's like you want people to think you're too controversial who already know it. You want people to think you're bigger than you are. You want people to think that you cause a stir wherever you go when you don't. Kind of like, I got to take a break. I just thought, yep, 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 I know, I know. Hang on, be right back. Don't go away. I don't know, folks. There's no charisma there's no ability to tell a joke. There's no ability to any self-deprecating humor. You know what he should have said? Oh, never mind. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. I'm too controversial. That, that, that's, that's, if you're going to say that, try to make people laugh when you say it. But no. Oh, no. There's nothing funny about that. It's dead serious. He is too controversial. Yeah, for what? What's he done that's controversial outside of New York City that anybody knows about? Uh, let's see what else we have here. We've got – we actually had a question from the audience last night on his hypocrisy in wanting to take everybody's guns away from them while he runs around with an armed security detail. Now, the audience member was kind of a little bit of a looney tune himself, and it, it set up – the, the show broke down. There was a protest uh, as as Bloomberg was uh, in the middle of his uh, of his answer. But there's not enough time to pl- that. Let, tell you what I'll do. We'll get to that. But I got to take a break here at the bottom of the hour coming up. And I owe some people on the phones some time. The people have been waiting, and I've only squeezed one phone call. So we'll go to the phones when we get back from our bottom of the hour obscene profit break. Hang in and be tough. And we'll finish with the Bloomberg sound. But you'll see what I mean when this stuff all unfolds. Hang on. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day. El Rushbo here behind the Golden EIB microphone. Where are we going? Uh, okay, JT in Dallas, you're up. It's great to have you. Hi. Thank you for taking my call, Mr. Rush. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you also for um, tweaking your analysis of the potential Democratic ballot. I think if Joe Biden succeeds as a nominee on the ballot, it's a win-win. Even if he's not elected president, his effect down ballot is the secret sauce for the Democrats capturing the Senate. I also think Mr. Bloomberg will come in with all of his money and purchase the Senate for the Democrats. Um, well, maybe. Then that, now that, 
that assumes that he's uh, not got his nose out of joint for not getting a nomination. That's true. He's going to try to buy the nomination first, and if he's rejected, then he may not want to buy the Senate for the Democrats. Uh, <laughs> your, look, your point about Biden and being much, much less calamitous down ballot, that's true, they think. The Democrats believe that crazy Bernie would wipe him out down ballot. The Democrat establishment, the Democrat establishment, we, we have to... Yeah, Crazy Bernie's got his own supporters, and they think nothing like this. They think Crazy Bernie winning would be the greatest thing for the country, for the Democrat Party, and, and, and nothing bad about it at all. The Democrat establishment's convinced <clears throat> that if Bernie's the nominee, they lose the House. They don't have a prayer of taking the Senate. And, of course, they lose the White House. That means the Republicans uh, have control of everything for as far as the eye can see, because this would end up being a generational defeat. And they do believe this. But I'm telling you, in addition, that's a good point, JT, about the Democrats' concern down ballot. But look, my, my, I, I, don't, I don't want to be misunderstood. That's valid. But believe me, these people that I'm talking about, the, the, the establishment types, are desperate to hold on to what they have no matter what else happens to the Democrat Party. I'm talking about the Washington political elite. Now, some of you might be thinking, why, Rush, what, what, what does it matter who the Democrat nominee is to them? Well, you got to go to the Trump and Republican example in 2016. If you go back to 2016, what... What was the original theory that the Republican Party had in 2016? That they had to unify against Trump, that they had to stop Trump, whatever. And they didn't do it. They did. But this was the theory. They had to stop Trump in order to save their party. Okay. Well, what happened? Trump gets nominated. Trump gets elected. And Trump saved the Republican Party. And the people who thought that Trump was going to ruin it are now people without a party. They are never Trumpers. They have been reduced to endorsing Democrats. They lost their cruise business. They lost their magazines. They lost everything. They lost their, their, their faux conservative audiences. They've lost everything. And now they're trying to go back to the Democrats from where they originally came and say, hey, we're home again. Welcome us back. We're going to endorse Biden. And they're saying, we don't want any part of you guys. You guys, you, you left us once, you leave us again. You guys are a bunch of flakes. The Washington Democrat establishment does not want to run the risk. They're, they're making the same mistake that the establishment Republicans made. They're thinking that the old line ways are the only way to hold on to their party. They are tr they're living in utter denial about what this party is becoming. This party, the only reason Bernie Sanders is going to win the nomination or getting closer because that's what the party has become. It's right in front of our faces. If Bernie Sanders is going to be leading in delegates, then you have to look at what is his message. It's not by accident, and it's two campaigns in a row. 
2016, 28, they're 2020, and they stole it from him in 2016. This is where the party's headed. The Washington establishment is trying to prevent that because they think, just like the Republicans thought with Trump, that it's guaranteed defeat. Well, what if Bernie is actually, as far as the Democrats are concerned, the savior? What if the Democrat Party is a bunch of communists now? What if the base of the Democrat Party is a bunch of communist socialists? It is, folks. Or Bernie wouldn't be in the commanding presence that he's in, the lead that he has. You've got the Washington establishment doesn't want to go there. They want to hold on to their little fiefdoms. They want to remain the head of uh, meet the press and face the nation and whatever the establishment identities are. They, they want their wives and their spouses to remain employed at these incestuous places, at law firms and lobbying offices and so forth and various corporations in Washington. They've got a nice little thing going here. Uh, and and it requires that the Democrat establishment be the Democrat establishment and that it be seen as defining who the Democrats are. Now, here comes this guy, Bernie, and his ragtag bunch of socialist communists. That, and, and if they think that Bernie's campaign is the way to massive losses, there's no way they're going to want to be any part of it. Because they think they'll go with it. Plus, they know this. If Bernie becomes a nominee, it is, it's etched in stone that the party's nominee becomes the titular. The party nominee takes over the party apparatus, folks. The party's nominee, essentially Bernie Sanders and his people would take over the Democrat National Committee from the Obama people that now run it. Now, the Obama people wouldn't give it up without a fight. But traditionally, the party nominee is considered the head honcho. But they're not going to want to let that happen. They're going to want to let Bernie Sanders or any of his people assume that role. So they're going to do everything they can to deny him the nomination. And my only point in starting out today was to suggest that I was wrong when I said that Biden would never be the nominee because I <clears throat> made that prediction in an incorrect context. I made that prediction from the standpoint that Democrats would never let Biden be the nominee because he's got no way of winning. He's lost it. He's not there. He doesn't know where he is. It's actually, I think, very cruel what the Democrat Party is actually doing to Biden. But since... The election's actually about not Biden winning, but about them holding on to what they've got. Well, then if it takes Biden winning or Biden being the nominee for that to happen, then that's what they'll go for and do. Because I think self-preservation... They, look, these po- po- folks, these people have their, their lives wired. It's what being in an elite club... Uh, like this means. It's why you go to the universities that train you and position you for eventual membership in the so-called Washington establishment. It's incestuous. Once once you're in it, you're guaranteed a job. You're guaranteed influence. Your kids are guaranteed university admissions and jobs. And that's something every parent wants. Every parent wants their kids to do well. And there are 
And there are versions of the Washington establishment in every town, every city, large and small. There's a deep state in every city. There's a deep state in every town. There's an establishment, a ruling class in every social and business order. In Washington, it's one of the biggest in the country because of the access to the money they have. They're right there in the same town as the Treasury. They're in the same town where all that money gets allocated, spent, uh, appropriated. It's huge. So these people that have admission and in their own minds run this establishment, they're not going to let some clown like Bernie Sanders come along and threaten it. Now, I think it's... It's a, it's a valid concern that they're worried about a Sanders nomination destroying Democrats down ballot. I think they're, they're worried about that. But they're, before they're worried about that, they're worried about their own positions, their own jobs, their own reputations, their own futures. It'd be the same thing as if, if somehow for some inexplicable reason the Republicans were going to end up running the Washington establishment, you would see a panic like you haven't seen in your lifetimes and an effort to stop that from happening. Up to another, Republicans have known their place. Okay, you guys want to be part of the club? Lose. Lose with honor. Don't cause any trouble. Maybe a couple of you, like Newt Gingrich, come along, be controversial now and then, win a couple of elections, but know your place. You are the Washington generals. We are the Globetrotters. And that's the way it's worked. And the Republicans that have gotten admitted into this club and have the same perks, they know their place in order to hold on to it. It's it's the structure. Bernie Sanders and his campaign now threatening to expose the Democrat Party for what it has been for a while, a socialist trending communist party. That that's too big a risk. So if it if it takes nominating Biden, who doesn't know where he is. To stave that off, then fine, and that's what they'll do. And they knew it wasn't going to be Mayor Pete. It wasn't going to be Amy Klobuchar. It's not going to be Elizabeth Warren. It's not going to be any of these kinds. Of Andrew Yang. None of these other people are going to be able to do it. It has to be Biden. Biden's the establishment guy. Access to donors. Had to be somebody James Clyburn would endorse in South Carolina. Clyburn was never going to endorse Buddha Judge or Klobuchar, for example. Had to be somebody that get the African-American vote in South Carolina. It's all part of maintaining this time-honored, age-old Democrat coalition. These people think they have to hold on to that, maintain that particular order in, in, in order to hold on to their own. Whatever they look at their lives, perks, uh, gratuities, however they see it. These are people, there's another, well, these are people that are dependent on others for their position in life. That's a risky position to be in. When you're dependent on the good graces, when you're dependent on uh, other people also winning and prevailing, when you're when you're dependent on the people that make it possible for you also staying in power, when when you haven't done it on your own, other than what it's taken to go to the right school to get on the right track to be admitted, but then once you're in, you know it's a communal type thing with a caste system. You know your your place in it. You know how you rise in it, climb the ladder, the ranks, and so forth. But these are people who largely are dependent on other people uh, being nice or being supportive, uh, you name it. It's, it's, I've, 
never wanted to be in that position myself. I've never wanted to be dependent, my, my job depending on somebody else holding theirs. Now, most people can't escape that, but I've often, I've never wanted to be beholden. I've always wanted to be the reason I'm somewhere. These people that we're talking about, they think of like they think that they are the reason, but when they really stop and think about it, they know that they are dependent on the good graces of people who rank higher than they do in this pecking order. I got to take a break. Back to the phones after this. And we go back to the phones, Rush Limbaugh, serving humanity simply by being here each and every day and emitting vocal vibrations and dulcet tones uh, coast to coast. This is uh, Charles in Boca Raton. Great to have you, sir. Hello. Rush Limbaugh, how are you, sir? I'm good, sir. Glad to hear from you. Yes, sir. I was telling Mr. Snurdly my uh, theory on what's going to happen with this stupid whole fiasco that they're running up in, uh, well, this whole Democrat thing. I've been telling my sister this since July. I wrote this up in a in a letter. Uh, what's going to happen, they're going to go to the convention in July, and they're going to go into the smoke-filled room. They're going to bring everybody in. They're going to say to everybody, you guys are all out of it. Go away. Uh, they're going to buy Bernie some more homes, maybe his own jet. Whatever's gonna, whatever it takes to have them step aside, including Biden, they're saying, Biden, you just got to get out. What they're going to do is they're going to nominate, listen to me, Michelle Obama. She knows world leaders. She's got Barack's back, or Barack's got her back. Uh, she's going to get the black vote, the gay vote, the women's vote, the whole McGillah. Trump has to get in front of this and at every convention or every rally, give you know, depress it and say, okay, here's what's going to happen, guys. We know. Nobody can beat me. Nobody. Zero. Except one person. But I should know. That is, no. He, now, he wait just a minute. Trump is Go not going to admit that there's anybody can beat him, particularly no, Michelle Obama. I misspoke. I misspoke. What I'm saying is he's going to have to get out in front and say their only salvation is to nominate somebody they think can beat me. But she can't. Here's why. Then he's going to have to unload all the baggage of the of the Obamas, of the Bidens, the whole Megillah, because if they surprise everybody at the at the at the uh, uh, what do you call it the um, convention, he doesn't he won't have enough time over that time to be able to really get in front of it. If he starts the process of of alerting people to what's going to happen, because they're brushed. Wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Hit, look at. This is not a surprise. People have been thinking that Michelle Obama is going to be the nominee since Obama and Michelle left the White House in January 2017. It would not be a shock or surprise to anybody. Trump doesn't need to tell any of his people to be ready. You are afraid that it's going to be Michelle Obama, and you're afraid that she can win, so you want Trump to do something to stop her now. That's that's what you want. And you want it disguised as Trump alerting his vote. What, what, what good would alert his voters to? By the way, there's one Democrat that they might put up there, and you've got to be ready for it. I'm telling you, every Trump voter is going to vote against whoever the Democrats nominate, no matter who it is, including if it is Michelle Obama. I understand the fear. I understand the fear people have about Michelle Obama because the Democrat Party is in such disarray. And... Uh, Republicans have always had this belief that no matter at what point in time in history, the Democrats have somebody 
they can bring out of the woodwork that can shellac any of us, even our best. This happens to be Michelle Obama right now. At one time, it was the Oprah. Uh, at one time, it was uh, Hillary Clinton. I can't tell you the number of elections where I had to deal with paranoid Republicans telling Hillary Clinton a 75 to 80% chance to be the next president of the United States. You know, we better do something about it. She hasn't gotten close. Well, I mean, she got close because she ran and so forth. Uh, there's nothing they could do that's going to surprise Trump or for which Trump is not ready and prepared. You guys remember the uh, Republican senator from Nebraska named Chuck Hagel? He just endorsed Biden. He's famous for endorsing Democrats. Chuck Hagel, Republican Nebraska, just endorsed plugs. Ha! That's funny. Do not doubt me, folks. James Comey just endorsed and voted for Biden. Well, what did you expect? A deep state's deep. And then uh, Chuck Hagel, a former Republican senator from Nebraska, has come out and endorsed Joe Biden. I'm telling you, don't doubt me on this. The Washington establishment's a deep establishment. Here, here's, here's, here's what Hagel said. Now, where was he? It was, uh, hang on just a second. I got... Of course. Where else would he have been but CNN? That's what he said. I think Joe Biden, for this time in our country, with the challenges that we have, I think he's the right person. I'm still a Republican. I don't know, I'm not sure what that means, but I'm still a Republican. And I'll let the Democrats sort out who they want to be their candidate. But as far as I'm concerned, as an American, I think the best president would be Joe Biden. See, this is just, this is just, I'm still a Republican. Whatever that means, whatever that means, I don't know what that means. That's one thing we believe. You don't know what being a Republican is anymore, Senator Hagel. And I, Joe Biden's again. So all it took, look at all it took. All it took was their establishment guy having a respectable finish in one primary. And here they all come. That's all it took. All plugs had to do was have a respectable showing where two-thirds of the electorate's African-American traditional Democrat turnout. And now look, everybody, Comey, Chuck Hagel. Former Republicans, still a Republican. I'll let the Democrats sort out there. I'm still a Republican, whatever that means. But I think for the best thing for America right now would be Joe Biden. Anybody that really thinks that is insane. Anybody that really thinks Joe Biden is the best thing for this country right now is insane, is questionably all there. And you know what they really mean by it? These people... That we're talking about, folks, do not doubt. They know that Biden will be a figurehead. They know he doesn't know where he is half the time. They know that he doesn't know who he's talking to half the time. He's a surrogate. He's a stand-in for somebody or a series of people. And it could be a godsend for them. I mean, these people can actually be running the country and nobody would know it. Biden would get all the slings and arrows. He'd get limited amount of credit. The real power will be whoever it is that's running things. And he's acknowledged that this is going to be the case. He's acknowledged that it'll be in some form. I'll tell you something else. The media would know who it is, and they would not tell you. It's a Democrat, and whoever whoever is the uh, the group 
behind Biden or the individual, they would know who it was, but they'd never report it. They'd hang together and it would be reported each and every day. President Biden today said that blah, blah, President Biden will meet today with the leader of the country from Outer Slavonia. Blah, blah, blah. And Biden might meet with the guy for two minutes in front of the cameras. But after that, they send him back to romper room and whoever has the real meeting has the real meeting. And the media would know. That is what's at stake. Now, here on the other side, we got two people trying to upset that apple cart. One of them is Bernie Sanders, and the other is Michael Bloomberg, Mini Mike, Mike Bloomberg. Now, we don't know. Well, yeah, we do. We know, but Bloomberg is going to, he would essentially be. Um, the same kind of administration that whoever would be behind Biden would be. He's a liberal. He was never a Republican until that's what he thought he had to be to get elected mayor of New York following Giuliani. But he's always been a Democrat. And he's always been a liberal Democrat. So this this is what's happening. The liberals are closing ranks now. Chuck, Chuck Hagel's a liberal Republican. He's a rhino. From uh, Nebraska. Now we get back to the Mike Bloomberg sound bites. This is uh, we're not through with these. Town hall last night on the Fox News Channel, and they had a lot of questions in the audience last night, which I always think is a risky thing to do, but they did it. And here was a guy in the audience asking Bloomberg about gun control. How do you justify pushing for more gun control when you have an armed security detail that is likely equipped with the same firearms and magazines that you seek to ban the common citizen from owning? Does your life matter more than mine or my family's or these people's? Uh, all right. Now listen to this answer. Look, listen. I probably get 40 or 50 threats every week, okay? And some of them are real. That just happens when you're the mayor of New York City or you're very wealthy and, and if you're campaigning for uh, president of the United States, you get lots of threats. So I, I have a security detail. I pay for it all myself. You know, they're just look, guy, you had none of your business whether I got guns or not. I'm a big person. I am an important person. People threaten my life. Nobody cares whether you're alive or dead, you schlub. But people threaten my life. Because I was mayor of New York, and because I am rich, and because I am running for president. So you can't even put me in your league, you schlub. How dare you think that you have any need to a gun? Nobody cares whether you're alive or dead, but I am Michael Bloomberg, and they want to kill me. This is the world. This is, this is the world this guy's living. This is what I say is delusional. This is, he's telling himself. He's pretending that he is as big a deal as he wishes he was who answered you, you know everybody running for president can answer the question this way but then well i'm an important guy i'm running for president i'm very rich I, I i get a lot of threats every day do you know that i get a lot of threats every day like nobody else does i'm michael bloomberg i get i get 40 to 50 threats a day and, and some of them are real yeah, I'm Mike Bloomberg. People want to kill me. Nobody wants to kill you because nobody knows who you are. You're just a schlub and a guest in an audience a TV show. But I am Mike Bloomberg. I'm running for president. I'm a big person. I'm an important person. I've got my own airplanes. i got four of them. You don't have one. And they want to kill me. Nobody cares. That's why I have guns. I could go on. Folks, I know these people. And I... I... 
I watch this. And there's no humility about it. There's no joking about it. He's dead serious here. Well, okay, I, uh, I probably get 40, 50 threats a day. Trump probably gets 40 to 50 a minute. Probably more than that. It just happens. You know, people threaten you when you're mayor of New York. It just happens. When you're a schlub in an audience, a TV show like you are, nobody's going to threaten you. I mean, that's, that's, that's what he's saying to this guy. He's saying, I'm more important than you are. I'm bigger than you are. I'm more famous than you are. People care more about me than they care about you. That's why I need guns and you don't. That, this is, that, that's his answer to the question. He's got consultants, but he doesn't listen to them. I'm sure he's got people telling him what he sounds like, but they don't listen to him. I guarantee you he's got people trying to tell him that this is not the right way to answer this. Instead, by now, he's probably got people that are, yeah, you killed it tonight, Mike. You killed it. You keep that. Because that's why if you're a consultant for Bloomberg, you learn that he already knows what you're advising him. So whatever he says, you agree with it, and that's how you keep your paycheck coming. You you agree with me that this sounds arrogant as I mean, uh, yeah, unrealistically arrogant. Um, let's see here. We have the, the, the protests erupted at some point here. Uh, the next... The next question that Bloomberg got, the uh, Trump administration is talking about considering tax cuts, some sort of stimulus, has also talked about the uh, Federal Reserve possible action. I guess this is about, I don't know what this is about. He said, what about you? you? You've called for rolling back the Trump tax cuts even in this crisis. And I guess this is about coronavirus. What is this about? Hang on, folks. This is a, uh, yeah, it's a it's a coronavirus. That's right. wait till you hear this answer. So the the subject matter that Brett Bear is asking is the, is the coronavirus. He says the Trump administration is talking about uh, tax cuts, some sort of stimulus. He has also talked about the Federal Reserve possible action. What about you, Mayor Bloomberg? You've called for rolling back the Trump tax cuts. Even in this crisis, let's assume you lower interest rates and I'm going to say, hmm, OK, Brett's lowered interest rates. Maybe I'll take my kids to Disney World. I don't think so. A lot of the stuff, people, it, it's not the economics. It's the people that are afraid to go out, go to Chinese restaurants all across the country here in America, where there's no reason to think whatsoever that you're going to catch a flu. But people aren't patronizing them. And I thought to myself tonight, I'm going to go to a Chinese restaurant. Actually, it turns out I can't, but I will do it tomorrow night just to show the flag and to help them. People have stopped flying. They've stopped going out. Uh, they don't go to the stores anymore. They don't go to Chinese restaurants because of the coronavirus. So people are being inherently racist. They're not going to Chinese restaurants, not ordering General Tso's chicken. They're not ordering pork fried rice or whatever because of the coronavirus. So I'm going to go plant the flag. I'm going to go have some Chinese food and I'm going to go to Disney World. I'm going to take my kids, even though they're 55 years old, I'm going to take my kids to Disney World uh, in defiance of all of this bigotry and homophobia that's out there. Yeah, like going to it. You better not go to Italian restaurants because the coronavirus is really big in Italy now, too. 
Uh, you no, no, you don't dare. People, people. This is what Bloomberg is worried that people are stopping patronizing Iranian restaurants. They're not supporting Iranian nuclear deal. They're not going to Italian restaurants. They're going to Chinese restaurants, and they're not going to Disney World because so many Chinese people go to them, and that's not good. So he's going to go to all these places and show people how safe it is. He's going to go there and uh, plant the flag. People have stopped flying. Well, you have too. You don't fly commercial because you're too controversial. And they wouldn't let you on the plane, you said. I swear. And this stuff just goes by. And and, and nobody commented on it. Nobody. I, I don't know how you watch this and listen to this and not have some kind of reaction here that... Well, as I said, I, I was trying to think of polite ways. I really was to characterize this today, to describe it. Let's see. Yeah, we got two more. The protesters came up. So the next question, you have said that President Xi Jinping of the Chicoms is not a dictator. But you've talked about human rights violations that are so egregious. So how can you say that he's not a dictator if he's got all these human rights violations? President Xi is not a dictator, you said, but you just listed a bunch of human rights violations I, that are so egregious. The, so the, how the can you say that he's not a dictator? The technical definition of a dictator was what we were talking about that day. He is a very powerful person there. They do not have a democratic system. They don't have democratic elections. That's what they don't have. And the human rights uh, record is terrible. Now, he's changed his tune on that because he used to talk about how Xi Jinping had to respond and had to answer to his constituents. He had to keep his constituents happy. He got called out on that and he said, oh, he's got the Politburo. He's got to keep the Politburo happy. No, he doesn't. He owns the Politburo. The Politburo is just a bunch of yes-men sycophants now. He's gotten rid of all of his rivals. Okay, so it was at this point now that there was an organized protest. It was just lurking there in the Fox News uh, town hall audience. Now, I couldn't hear what they were saying because of my hearing. It was just a gigantic blob of, uh, of noise. But the Fox uh, anchors decided to pull out of it pretty quickly and restore order in the in the audience. But after Bloomberg's answer on uh, human rights record and Chinese and so forth and how they uh, they uh, don't have a democratic system, here came the protest. That's what I think. All right, let's. All right, we're going to move. All right, all right, hold on, hold on. Okay. We're going to keep this. Liberties available. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys. Are those liberties? Thank you. No, you guys, we don't protest. We don't do that. Yes, yeah. we do. Oh, sure We're they do. Teach. All right. You, Hold on. Stop. Stop. Shut up. All right. We're going to get these guys. We're going to take a quick break. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. Stop and frisk is what that was about. Stop and frisk. Stop and frisk in New York. By the way, you know, yesterday on this program, I had a question. Grab audio soundbite number six. Uh, I actually opened the program. This was, to show you on the cutting edge, this is how I opened it yesterday. The official political decapitation of Bernie Sanders has begun with Pete Buttigieg getting out of the race. And you Sanders supporters, I'm trying to help you here. You probably know it as well as I do, what is ahead for your guy. They did it to him in 2016. They're going to try to do it again 
this year. Find out where Chris Matthews is as your first step to get to the bottom of this. Where was Chris Matthews? I opened the program asking the question yesterday, and we found out. We found out because later in the day, Chris Matthews opened his show and ended his show in the first two minutes. Let me start with my headline tonight. I'm retiring. After a conversation with MSNBC, I decided tonight will be my last hardball. So let me tell you why. The younger generations out there are ready to take the reins. We're talking here about better standards than we grew up with. Fair standards. A lot of it has to do with how we talk to each other. Compliments on a woman's appearance that some men, including me, might have once incorrectly thought were okay. We're never okay. Not then and certainly not today. And for making such comments in the past, I'm sorry. Well, there we are. It took a while to get to it, but he told one too many women she looked attractive. You can't do that anymore. You just can't do it. You haven't been able to do that since the 70s. You cannot compliment a woman's appearance because it's an insult to the brain. Her brain. It's an insult to her professionalism and her accomplishment if you, if you compliment her. If you do compliment a woman on her appearance, you have to ask permission first. And next you're going to have to ask permission to send flowers. And you'll get the wrong idea. Now, there's a, a woman uh, uh, writes columns for the Washington. What's her name? Thirdly, Kathleen Parker. Kathleen Parker has come out and has defended Chris Matt. I had a flirtatious relationship with this guy for 30 years. This guy flirted with me. I flirted with him. It was harmless. We thought, blah, 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 blah. And now the Me Too movement is out after her and after him. You heard him. He's quitting. Younger generation, meaning you dryball millennials, you don't even notice a pretty woman anymore. And that's where we are in America now. Now... How do you figure this? The Biden campaign has refused the Comey endorsement. James Comey tweeted, voted in first Democrat primary to support party dedicated to restoring values in White House. I agree with Amy Klobuchar. We need candidate who cares about all Americans and will restore decency and dignity to the office. There is a reason Trump fears Joe Biden and roots for Bernie. Joe Biden's campaign garnered yet the high-profile announcement from James Comey. But now the Fox, or the Biden campaign, rather, has rebuffed it. Biden campaign rapid response director Andrew Bates essentially rejected the endorsement from Comey, who remains a polarizing figure within the Democrat Party. So... Andrew Bates says, uh, yes, customer service, I just received a package I very much did not order. How can I return it free of charge? What a smarmy phony this Comey is. What? There's so much of this smarmy phoniness. We've got Bloomberg and the Comey voted in first Democrat primary. Oh, you're really valorous, Mr. Comey. You voted in your first Democrat primary. How big of you to support a party dedicated to restoring values in the White Yeah, his son with all kinds of shady deals in China and Ukraine, and who knows how many shady deals he himself has been involved in in all these years in Washington. 
I agree with Amy Klobuchar. We need a candidate who cares about all Americans and will restore decency, dignity to the office. You arrogant snobs. You arrogant, effete snobs thinking you own decency and dignity. There's nothing decent about the movement you led, Mr. Comey, a silent coup to overturn the election results of 2016. That's decency? That's dignity? You and Brennan and Clapper and the rest of your claptrap bunch at the FBI? Decency? Dignity? That's what you want to return? So you endorse Joe Biden and now he doesn't even want your endorsement? Because they remembered your dignified and decent way you savaged Hillary Clinton while supposedly saving her? Hi, how are you? It's Rush Limbaugh with talent on loan from God. What did I have? Oh, I want to show the drive-bys. I just want to show you, just prove my point here. The drive-bys are all in with Biden. Now, Biden getting a nomination means they get to keep their positions in the establishment. And let's see. Grab somebody number nine. This is a montage. The drive-bys hyping momentum and the late movement now all of a sudden. No question, there has been a massive momentum shift. Did the momentum happen in time to reach voters in such a way to make Joe Biden ultra competitive? I've never seen move so quickly a movement of the party to get behind one person. Going into this Super Tuesday, yes, Joe Biden showing momentum. This sort of specter of momentum. The polls are picking up on late movement toward Biden. A big, and I mean big, because that's what we're getting some indications of the possibility of a big movement towards Joe Biden just from last Saturday. You believe this? A guy wins one primary. One primary. And listen to these people. And here is Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington. This is a huge night. On this Super Tuesday, the Democrats' Stop Sanders movement is coming together. Oh. As Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, each recognizing they had no path to the nomination, joined forces to try to stop Bernie Sanders' march to the nomination and help Joe Biden, already enjoying a big bounce from his victory in South Carolina. Man, oh, many people are salivating, folks. They can't see straight. They're so excited. Last night on Fredo Primetime... Fredo Cuomo talking to Obama's uh, campaign architect, David Axelrod. Question, what what does this moment mean? Klobuchar there standing right next to Biden. Look, I think that uh, it is a momentum builder for him. I think he, you know, he doesn't have any ads all over the country. So these kinds of things are signaling momentum to people who are going to go to the polls tomorrow that this is the guy. Let's unify behind him. And he's hoping that that will... Uh, that will have a kind of contagion effect, you know? That's the He doesn't have any ads after this. It's over. He doesn't have any money for Super Tuesday. He blew everything for the whatever it was in South Carolina. He doesn't have any money. All he's got is these endorsements from Buddha Judge and Klobuchar and Beto O'Rourke. A bunch of people that haven't won any. You could put the combined total of their voters inside a thimble, maybe a phone booth at the outside. Back to the phones we go. Debbie in Houston, I'm glad you waited. You're next here on the EIB Network. Hi. Hi, Rush. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. 
I've been a listener since Obama was running for office. My husband turned me on to you, and I want to thank you for everything that you do. Uh, when you're not on air, it's very depressing because you do keep us all grounded. Um, I wanted to talk about um, Donna Brazil and why in the world does Fox News have her on? If she is a known liar and cheater, who would want to listen to her? Why would they have someone like her on air? Because she runs a Democrat National Committee. She's got a front door, back door to the Clintons. I mean, she's an insider. Fox News thinks that they're getting inside Democrat Party information when they have her. She's, I, I can't even watch. I have to turn it off. Whenever she's on, I have to turn it off. Why? Because I don't know. I guess I get so disappointed that people can't, that the liberals can't see what their party is doing to this country. Oh, that's been a lament. Yeah, yeah. Why can't they yeah. see it? Uh, right. I don't understand it. It just really disappoints me. And I'm so happy with the direction that Trump is taking our country. I just love him. My bucket list is to meet you and Mr. President at the same time. That is my bucket list. So, you, want, you want to meet me and the president at the same time, and you are in Houston. Yes, I'm not, right outside of Houston, and I listen huh. to the show every well, maybe. day. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just thinking maybe Trump rally, Houston, I go down there and introduce him. I don't know if he's got one scheduled or not. I'm just thinking. Well, I don't that. know, but I would love it. if y'all, I, I would love to be there. That, that's my bucket list. Is to meet I can you that's and I all. want you to know my prayers are there for you. The day that you announced um, your illness, my mom and I were in the car together, and we were just both in tears. And we know you're going to beat this. So we we have to listen to you every day. Well, thank we, you we very much. <laughs> I Believe me, I believe those prayers work, I believe. I do, too. I do, too. I they really do work. People need to believe in that. And we appreciate everything you do and listening to you really and truly does keep me grounded. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate the bottom of my heart. Well, really thank do. you so thank much you. for taking my call. You and bet. And God, your day. God bless you, too. I think, grab soundbite number uh, 25. Since this, this we haven't, it happened two hours ago. It actually happened three hours ago, but we haven't played the soundbite in a couple hours. In case you're wondering, why did this woman call from Houston, Donna Brazil? What did Donna Brazil do? Well, I'm going to play for you what Donna Brazil did. It happened earlier today on the Fox News Channel. Uh, and she's on with Rona McDaniel of the Republican National Committee. Rona here is talking about how the Democrats are trying to sabotage crazy Bernie. They might have a Democrat brokered convention and Brazil loses it. It's leading towards potentially a broker convention, which will be rigged against Bernie if those superdelegates have their way on that second vote. To that, you say what, Donna? First of all, I, I want to talk to my Republicans. First of all, stay the hell out of our race. Stay the hell out of our race. I get sick and tired, Ed and Sandra, of listening to Republicans tell me and the Democrats about our process. First of all, they don't have a process. They're canceling primaries. They have winner-take-all. They don't have the kind of democracy that we see on the Democratic side. And for people to use Russian talking points to sow division (laughs) among Americans, (laughs) that is stupid. So, Rana, go to hell. This is not about... No, go to hell. I'm tired of it, Ed. We're not trying to prevent anyone from becoming the nominee. Yes, you are. If you have the delegates and win, you will win. This notion that somehow or another Democrats are out there trying to put hurdles or roadblocks before one candidate, that's stupid. I know what's going on. They are scared 
of Democrats coming together to defeat Donald Trump. They need to be focusing on what we're focusing on, the Democratic Party, and that is preventing foreign interference in our elections. Stop oh, using Russian Come on, give it a rest. Period. All right. Stop well, using it. it Donna, pisses with me. all due it respect, we had her on to talk about what she sees well. happening here in the same way that we but asked you to. A, but, no, but Sandra, she's not a Democrat. I'm a Democrat, but I'm also an American, and I have a responsibility to make sure that the process, I know the process, Rana knows the process, but to infer that we're trying to prevent one candidate over another. Stop That's not it! Happening. You did! In 2016, you, working Mr. for Hillary President, Clinton, tried to screw it out of Bernie Sanders. You did it once in 2016. You're trying, look, and I got a story right here. I got a story. This is from the Vice. Dot com website, the headline, DNC superdelegates getting desperate to stop Bernie Sanders. There is a vibrant conversation about whether there's anything that can be done. Miss Brazil, stop yakking about Russian talking points. You people have the link to Russia. You were the ones that paid Russia to be involved in the 2016 campaign. Steele dossier, you, Hillary, you, you know this. Your superdelegates are at this moment trying to figure out a way to avoid having to support Bernie Sanders. You know, you can get mad at Ronald McDaniel all you want for calling out the truth on it. But it is exactly what happens and everybody knows it. Hey, folks, we have we have official guidelines now from the World Health Organization about how to talk about the coronavirus. Are you ready? Are you ready for your orders? Here are the commands from the World Health Organization. You are permitted to talk about people acquiring or contracting the coronavirus. You are forbidden from talking about people transmitting it. You are not to use terminology like infecting others or spreading the virus. You know why? Because it, it implies intentional transmission and assigns blame. And you can't do that. So you cannot talk about people transmitting it. You can't talk about people infecting others. And you cannot talk about the spreading of the virus because that's discriminatory. It's mean. And it's assigning blame. You can talk about people getting it. You can talk about people acquiring it. You can talk about people contracting it as though they're buying it. <laughs> But you can't talk about people spreading it. And you can't talk about people infecting other people because that implies that they're doing it on purpose. And aside from the Chicoms, we don't think anybody is doing it on purpose. And there you have your typical worthless, useless bureaucrat involvement in trying to what? Stop, help the spread. Of the, oh, I'm sorry, I can't talk. Oh, can't talk about the spread. That implies it's happening on purpose. <gasps> That's the big contribution today for the World Health Organization. By the way, Howard Feynman has tweeted that Chris Matthews is okay. He's okay, folks. No need to worry about him. He's still lusting after women, just not doing it at MSNBC. He's still, heavy, still healthy, still thinks women are pretty, uh, it's a cold business, but Howard Feynman is assuring us that Chris Matthews 
is okay. And I thought you would want to know. One thing I forgot from the Bloomberg Town Hall last night. And this is this is one of the most indictive, instructive things he said. One of the hosts said to him, you know, in the beginning of your answer here, Mayor Doomberg, it, it sounded like you agree with President Trump in pressuring China in terms of getting a new trade deal. And Doomberg said, well, yeah, a lot of my criticisms of Donald Trump are not his policies. It's the way he's doing it. I'm not upset with Trump's policies. I just don't like his style. He could be speaking for this arrogant James Comey, for these stupid idiots like James Clapper and John Brennan, and the whole of the hoity-toity, phony baloney, plastic but in a good time rock and roller elitist establishment. We just don't like his style. We just don't like the way he talks. We don't have a problem with what he's doing. He's actually doing things we agree with, but they can't even come out and say it. But Bloomberg did last night. It's kind of the death knell, if you ask me. Got to see you tomorrow. Oh, next day. Not tomorrow. Next day.